I want to welcome you. We're in part two of I Promise. If you were here last week, we talked about, we're talking about God's promises. We have a three-week series going on. This is part two. Part one is we spoke about how God said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Today, part two is peace. And how many of us can use some peace in our life? Yeah. We're going to talk about peace in a different way. But I notice in our lives in America, we have lost our peace. That's why we react more than we respond to things. So I want to go ahead and go into that. Last week, we talked about how God will never leave you, forsake you. We ended in John chapter 14. We're talking about he will not leave you of orphans, as orphans, which means fatherless. And we recognize God is our father, that we're never alone, that he, he left his Holy Spirit for us to uh, guide us and to, and to teach us and show us so many things. And what we're going to do in that same passage, in that same chapter, John chapter 14, we're going to pick it up because there's some more in there. And he talks about how he gives us peace. And I got to tell you, we all need peace. We all need peace. If I had you raise your hands, not, there's not one person will leave their hand down and say, I don't need any peace. I love peace. How many love drama? Okay, see? In the Air Force, the way we dealt with drama, we kicked them out. <laughs> right? Didn't want them anymore. Can't do that in the kingdom. Oh, well. I'm still learning. Anyway, John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm going to use the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. And I'm really excited about this. He says this, starting in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them let them be afraid. Neither let them be afraid. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now in this short moment that we have. Holy Spirit, teach us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this is Jesus talking in John chapter 14. That he's leaving, talking to disciples. First thing he says, I'll never leave you fatherless. Second thing, the Holy Spirit is going to come and anoint you and show you so many things. He's going to be your helper. He's going to come alongside. Then he said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to leave you peace. And I'm going to give you peace. So his promise was, I promise you my peace. But let me give you what the word means, irene in the Greek. It means this, quietness. <clears throat> How many have a lot of children? You don't care who's right, do you? You just want peace, don't you? <laughs> I don't care who's right. I just want peace. All right, rest. Here's two key words, security and safety. Security and safety. One thing I recognize in our world today, those two areas, those four areas are missing in society today. Security and safety. It says, I promise you my peace, not our peace, which is short-lived. It's like a five-hour energy drink. You take it, good to go, have some peace, it wears off. Jesus' peace continues to go continually, continually, continually. It's his peace. Isn't it amazing that God comforts us with all his stuff? Nothing is ours. We can't even claim it. His armor, his joy, his peace, 
his goodness, and we just claim it. But you got to claim it. You got to go after it because it takes work to have peace. It takes a lot of work. It says in Ephesians 2.14 that Christ is our peace. He's a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Christ is our peace. It says, for he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostilities. What he was talking about there, the Jews were warring against the Gentiles. Certain Jews were warring about other Jews. And Jesus came and made peace in their life. If you want to recognize where true peace will come in a nation is when Jesus is preached in that nation and people respond to Jesus, then peace comes. Not a weapon, not a gun, only when I can make peace not just keep peace, is Jesus Christ. We can try things to give us peace. It don't work. Because it never made people or things were never made to give us peace. Because the world bases its peace on resources, while God's peace depends on relationships. See, the world based everything. If you have enough, I'll be peaceful. This is a show I'm watching now. I watched, started watching yesterday. It's called Doom Days Prepare. Uh, Doom Days Prepper. Uh, I call them preppies. Doom Day Preppies. They're on the uh, National Geographic channel. And these folks, you have a chance to come on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. <laughs> they call them. <laughs> it's cra- what it is, they're responding. They're getting ready for the big thing to happen. And whatever that is, a kidnapping, if the government um, runs out of money, uh, if we have a flash flood, or if Armageddon shows up, they are prepared. They're preppers. That's what we call them, preppers. They're ready. They're ready in case something happens. And you know what they do to get ready? They get all this food, and they can it and put it in, in their garages and they, put, they build underground shelters and put all this food in there because they said the average person can't last seven days on the, in the household with all the food, with the minus the food they have in the house. But they have six months of food to prepare themselves. And if you come on their property when something happens, they're going to shoot and kill you. And they call that peace and security. And they made a TV show. They think that the resources are going to save them. What happens in six months if no one's around? There's no food around. What are you going to do then? Eat each other? See, they're looking for man, and one of their things is self-reliance. That's one of their core values, self-reliance. You know, a lot of believers, we want to rely on ourselves to bring us peace. And we have Jesus that gives us peace. See, the world looks at that. The more you have, the more peaceful life is. If that was the case, Hollywood would be the richest, uh, the greatest place in the world. No one would be on drugs. Everyone would be dancing in the streets because they have so many resources. How many know you love the spring because you got so many resources and you want to have a garage sale and share with everybody else? Because you got so, we have so much stuff, right? Because we think that stuff is going to give us peace. The more stuff you have, the more work it is. Come on, somebody. It doesn't give us peace. God's peace depends on relationships, a proper, upright relationship with our Heavenly Father because he is our peace. He's the only one that can settle our hearts and our minds. 
No one else can. Another person can't. You know something? Here's, here's a kicker. Church can't. Life groups can't. Only Jesus can. Because we'll, we know something. We love to do a lot of things to get a, help we have some peace. But it really is about Christ in our lives that brings complete peace. Now, absence of, of uh, things, I mean, absence of the turmoil, no, the greatest peace is when there's turmoil going on and you're walking secure. Because here's the thing. We have peace and we're secure in Christ because we know that we're born again and we will see him at the end of our days. So everything around here really doesn't, it matters, but not really. Make sense? So I wanted to share that with you in John chapter 14. That's a promise. How many love that promise? All right, now there's another promise in John chapter 16 no one likes. You like the first part, but not the second part, because we skip over it all the time. And you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have what? In the world you will have. <laughs> but take heart. <laughs> How you love me now. I have overcome the world. The world, the other name for take heart means cheer up. Take courage. But see, the second part of that promise is in the world you will have trouble. So stop acting surprised when trouble comes your way. He said it in the Bible. That's a promise. If you in the world, you will have problems. Trouble. Let me give you what that word means. Tribulation. It means this. Afflicted. Pressure. Burden. Anguish. Distress. And my famous word, trouble. On any given day, on any given hour, we can experience all these things. And some of you walked in here like this. Till you got in the presence of God and it fell off you. But see, again, this was the experience. We call this a worship experience. As a believer, a Christ follower, we need to follow Christ out the doors and keep this peace. You see, tribulation. But it's a promise. I wish he didn't say that. But sometimes you got to learn to trouble your trouble. Because if you're born again, you know Jesus Christ, you're already a threat. You, you got good trouble. You got to tell that trouble to get lost. Because, can I give you a hint? As soon as you get out of that bind, I love God's promotion policy. <laughs> he elevates you to a newer one. And it's not something to park your, your bicycle on. It's something to just go over. It says this, in Christ you will have peace, in the world you will have trouble. And let me can I say this to you. Peace, peace, listen to me. Peace is not found in the doing. It's in the being. We think if we have peace, we do a lot of things that we'll have peace. But it's about the being. You're a son and daughter of, of Jesus, of God. That is your being. Who you are in Christ is the most stabilizing thing in your life. Not what you do. When I, it's very interesting. When I ask people who they are, they always give me what they do. But they never tell me who they are. Because what they do, they find pleasure in, but they get caught up and think they find peace in it if they can't do it anymore. Or they can't find joy because they're not doing it. But 
If God didn't do anything else for you, would you have peace? Yes, because you have him. Because you are his child. That is the stabilizing factor. That is it. I am his son. That is, I'm well with that. Everything is well with my soul. I have peace because I know a father who will never leave me or forsake me. He didn't leave me fatherless. He takes care of me. He protects me. He watches over me. He surrounds me. He loves me. All I need to know is that I have all the peace in the world. But there's two realities we deal with that we have to fight every day. We talk about this on Wednesday night. The reality you're dealing with facts. One thing's facts. Where you are today, that's a fact. The Bible's full of faith. That's another reality. You have to let the faith override your facts because facts are subject to change. Faith isn't changing. Jesus isn't changing. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you have to engulf yourself in the faith so the facts won't overtake you. Because I can say, you have, I can say, how can you have peace, Pastor Rich? You don't know what's going on in my life. You have Christ. You have everything you need. He is just waiting for us to say, I need you too. Because we are self-reliant and we want to work it out outside of Christ. And it causes more trouble. It's like me putting something together. Leaving the instructions on the side. Because I'm a man. I don't want to read that. I know I saw the picture on the box. I'm good to go. And then I put it together and there's parts laying there. My wife, who likes to read, comes up and says, Honey, did you, did you leave that? No, they just gave me an extra part. <laughs> then I put the TV set on the cart and the cart falls down. Then I'm mad. And she says, You should have read it. I'll take it back to Walmart. They won't know. But you can't leave without the instructions. It gives you faith. You try to go without it. You're going to fail. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Nothing. So read. Faith. This book is active and living. Sharpening a two-edged sword. It's living. You got to take the life in here. Put it in here. That gives you peace. You go without it, trauma after drama after drama. And the first question is, when's the last time you, ah, man, I don't know. I know I can tell. Now let's go to Word and help you out because I'm not good at it. Only God is. So peace is not found in the doing. It's in being and who you are. Now, Pastor, you said, how do I maintain peace in my life? Glad you asked that question, because some of you want to know right now. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Let's look at this. I don't hear Bibles moving at all. Okay, next week, we're not going to put anything on the screen. Then y'all won't show up, so I'll, I'll do that anyway. Oh, I hear them now. Okay. I want this to come off the page like it does to me all the time. I hear a lot. That's good. That's good talking. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. 
By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It says here, pray, worry about what? Nothing. What does a nothing mean in the Greek? Okay, pray about everything. What does everything mean in the Greek? Okay, so turn your anxieties into prayer. It works. I don't know why, because let me tell you, prayer is the secret of power. Prayer is the secret of power. You read the scripture, you start with worry, but you pray, you come out with peace. You ever start something, you just having worries, and then you go to God in the morning, and you pray? What happens to all those worries? What happens to all those assignments? It hasn't changed. You've changed. It's the secret of power. You don't have to say this. I said, have you heard um, some people say this? Have you got an answer? Yes. No, I got to wait on God. You believe that? <laughs> yeah. And God's saying, well, sorry, I don't have nothing to say. To you. No, really. He doesn't say that. We should start with prayer. Go to God in prayer and see what he says about the matter. Because he sees things a whole lot different than we do. Amen? Amen. Now, this works. Because you can experience peace through prayer. You can experience peace through prayer. I'll give you a story. In Daniel chapter 6, how many know about Daniel and the lion's den? Daniel, had, they said he had an excellent spirit about him. Had a, he was in captivity. And all these different monarchs was over him, and he, he lived long enough. He's about 80 years old in this part of the book. And he was appointed as one of the presidents. There's three of them. Well, since he had an excellent spirit in him, because we know he had the Holy Spirit in him, he rose above everybody. And the king was going to make him over the whole kingdom. Well, you know, whenever God's blessing you, everyone's not happy. You ever notice that? When God's blessing you, some people just aren't happy. Well, he had some guys that weren't happy. And they tried to find things wrong with him. They couldn't find nothing wrong with him. So well, what we'll do, we'll try to find something. The only way we can trip him up, because how he serves as God, we have to put something against him on that. So they had talked to the king to make a, a, a declaration, a decree, that no one would pray to any other God for the next 30 days except to you. And uh, these guys, they were trying to trip up Daniel. And Daniel did what Daniel always do. Guys, whenever trouble's breathing down your neck, do what God always called you to do. Do not deviate from what he calls you to do. Let's go to verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into the house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. And what he did, he found out that he was going against the law. He didn't freak out. He didn't stop. Let me go have an appointment with the king. He did what he's always going to do. He prayed, which brought peace, which brought provision, which really brought protection. Let's go to verse 18. How are we doing? Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and, asleep fled, and sleep fed from him. Stop right there. Now the king didn't really want to do this to Daniel because he loved Daniel. And he knew Daniel served the most awesome God. Well, look who lost sleep. Look who lost their peace, the king. 
I know he lost his peace because he turned down food. Now, in them days, the king always ate at night, and then he had some pleasure at night. He turned it all down. I don't want to turn down a piece of chocolate cake at night. That means there's no peace. If I can't eat no chocolate cake, that means I'm really sick. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Anyway. <laughs> Spent the night, up all night. What is Daniel doing? Daniel, they throw him in that lion's den. He can't sleep. Next verse. Then at bre- day, break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. Go ahead. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The word anguish. The king declared, O Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you have you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said, Man, them lions. <laughs> then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. He gave him honor. Go on. My God, ooh, sent his angel and shut the, mouth, the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have, no, I have done no harm. <laughs> Who lost sleep? People come against you. Don't lose no sleep. Go pray. They're going to lose sleep. King lost sleep. He had to run out there. God will send someone or something in your time. Where do you access it? In prayer. So he had sleep was sweet. You can imagine him and the angel. Want to play some cards? No, no, no. I'm a little sleepy. Shut the lion's mouth. And no guys kept those lions hungry just for the treats. It was a two-pad cell. They raise up the gate and they hit whatever's there. Well, the king found all this out. Found out the guys were going against Daniel. So he took them and their family and threw them in. Now before they hit the ground, it's in the Bible, the lion ate them up. Broke them up. So the lions were pretty hungry. I think the angel left. <laughs> they should have been praying, hey, Lord, I love you. Hey, just keep the angel at just a little moment there. Can you have another miracle? And turn that king's head around, turn the kingdom around. He made a decree that Daniel's God, the most powerful God, don't even mess with it. See, peace. You experience peace through prayer. Because that situation didn't change. He still got thrown in lines then. You've changed to receive the situation. See, 90% of that happens to you every something, the same thing happens to you every day. But think about it. It's your response to it. It's just your response to it. It hasn't changed. You've changed. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. And people don't, you know what that underst- not understanding? The people who are looking at you don't understand why you're so peaceful. And you're reckoning, man, I'm not even worried about this anymore. And when it starts to wear off, just pray some more. And you can do this anywhere. You don't have to go in a special room. Just as you're walking in Walmart. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Help me get through this plane without my car getting dinged. Thank you very much. <laughs> Give me some peace while I'm in here. And he does it. Let me tell you what it takes. Prayer is the secret of power. And a lot of us are so self-reliant 
that we're going to work out our own issues? Then he says something in 1 Peter, which is really a dynamic, dynamic word. We'll go to it in a minute. Because we have to have trust enough to trust God and believe him for the results. Even if we don't see him right away, you have the evidence of him inside of you because there's something that simmers, that really settles your soul. That word anxiety means you get and feel like you're being pulled apart. How many of y'all feel like you're being pulled apart from the inside out? Yeah. Now, I'll raise my hand, too. Everyone didn't raise your hand. You're full of pride. We'll cast that out of you, too. This is not for the parents, okay? I don't understand your children. I pray for your parents. Anyway, like you're being pulled apart. And you know the busyness of life? It's like you're pulled apart. When you grew up, we grew up it was, life was so simple. Now it's kind of complicated. It's gotten complicated. And I feel some of the young folks, and I see you coming here, how complicated your life is. Well, you should be smiling in the, in the joy of the Lord and walking in the freedom of God. You feel like you're being pulled apart. And you shouldn't be. Let me show you how this works. Prayer was the first one. Second one is, let's go to 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. I want to help you this morning. I felt a lot of the stuff break this morning when people got into worship. And that's the way you want to feel, not all the time, but recognize you have access to feeling that way every day. You do. You don't have to wait for a Sunday experience to have peace in your life. Because you know when you walk out the door, life hits you dead in the face. And it hits you hard sometimes. But you can't be the warrior trying to work it out on your own. A true warrior submits to authority. How many want to really submit to authority of our Father? It says this in verse 6. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that in the proper time, y'all circle that, proper time, proper time, some relief is coming. But as long as I got the contract, there's proper time in there, I got it, I'm good. Now if he said, no time, oh, there's more anxiety. But he says at the proper time, my timing is perfect. I'm never too late. I'm always on time. Yeah. I've never failed you. I will never leave you. He may exalt you. He says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he, what? This is cool. He cares for you. Sometimes when you're getting all the anxiety, you don't think God cares. It's like the guys in the boat. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They're saying, don't you care? He says, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be in this boat. They lost their faith in a moment of a test. God cares. But you got to do this, church. You got to take it. Don't hold on to problems. Give them away to our father. He's the counselor, the perfecter. This is the author of our lives. He knows what we're going to be before we do. Cast all your cares upon him and leave it there. And back away. 
unless some angels come up and put a pistol, if you come pick this up, I'm going to take you all out. <laughs> Don't take them and put them back. You know, I can tell when you take them back because we'll say God is good, but you have a disclaimer in there. But he didn't do that yet. He didn't do this yet. That means you lost your peace somewhere. And the only way you lose your peace is you give it away. When you say God is good, there is no disclaimer. He's good. You can have peace. You can walk in total peace. And remember, peace is not in a person. It's not in a car. It's not in a relationship except Jesus Christ, that relationship. Can I give it to you simple? No Jesus, no peace. With Jesus, peace if you access it. No Jesus, no marriage. Come on, somebody. No Jesus, no amazing teenagers. No Jesus, no lasting relationships. We'll kill each other without Jesus Christ. That's why he spent a whole chapter in John chapter 17. You need to be one. And we're still trying, what does he mean by that? That's the, that's the end. No Jesus, no peace. When he says cast it, and don't take it back, because he's a gentleman, he'll let you take it back. Let it go. Let your anger go. Let your unforgiveness go. Let him handle those who wronged you. Let him handle, he, he created the earth. He can handle your failed relationship. Someone said, do you know everything? No, but I know the one who does. Let him have it. But let me tell you, submission only comes by faith. We don't like to submit because we know better. And you'll walk around in a hopeless condition because you know better. I don't know better. I'm, the older I get, the more I find out I don't know something. And I have, I'm okay with it. When I was younger, I kept struggling with it. Now, as my professor said, he's God and I'm not, so I'm okay with that. You got to be okay that he's God. In the perfect time, he's going he's gonna to take that issue off at the proper time. But he only takes it when you're ready to keep it off. But you cast that thing. It means to throw it off. Throw it off. Get it off me. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm so tired. Of, get it off me. Tired of feeling lonely. Tired of feeling inadequate. Tired of feeling like I'm a failure. Give it to him in prayer. He'll say, you're not alone. I'll never leave you, forsake you. You're not a failure, because I'm victorious. If I'm victorious, you're victorious. You're not a loser. You're a winner. In fact, it's not about what you're doing. It's about who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. You learn all that in prayer. And you come out of prayer like, oh, yeah. I'm better now. Now, the situation ain't better, but I'm better. So it's got to change, because my outlook determines my outcome. 
my outlook determines my outcome. If I have a low outlook, guess what I'm going to get? But my outlook is huge because he's Jesus Christ. And my outcome is awesome because I am his son. Come on, somebody get a lot of hand clap this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed.